Yeah, anyway, uh, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, Ripper Terror. Alright, mate, you're right. I've had a bloody guff. The Big Stiff Podcast. You guys obviously have done your homework, which is really, really important. I've enjoyed this totally. And hopefully you'll go on the bigger and bigger and better things because you're a pair of great guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Stiff Podcast. Um, Scotty can't be with us today, but um, I've got the one and only Roger Fabri with me. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks, and thanks for having me on. It's um, been a while since I did a podcast, and I was sort of saying to myself, I um, don't know if I was in a hurry to get back into it, but I'm sort of looking forward to it. Oh, that's great. Um, what is there? A, was there a time where you were doing more of this no, sort just, of uh, stuff? Um, you know, the, the podcasts are so great these days, right? And no offense to you or to anybody that's doing them, but who isn't doing them? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what I'm sort of seeing is just you see the same guests trying to appear on so many different platforms, mm. but their story doesn't change. Do you know? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like for sure, for sure. The questions are, are, are very similar, and so I thought if you know, for myself, if I was to appear to on one, and fortunately you're in this position now, I want some things to have changed potentially if people you know i'm obviously going to advertise it on my platform that um we're doing this and you know potentially a lot of people that follow me will probably go and listen but if they've already heard the story before then the chances of them going to listen again is unlikely um unless we put a twist into it and and that's very similar to the way i run my social media platform yeah Um, sure i can guarantee you one thing and I'm not sure if you do follow me or if you don't or if any of you listen to Yeah, me. we certainly do. Okay, cool. There's one thing that you're going to get from me is different stuff that you would see from anybody else. I can guarantee you that. I want to make sure that, yeah, if I'm going to – I'm 54, so I'm not I'm not brought up on social media and I'm not brought up on um, taking selfies all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm going to do something, you better fucking listen to it. Otherwise, I, it's why, why am I any different to anybody else? So I make sure you watch it. And I'll be I'll be very um, I'm really happy when I walk the streets and people stop and say, "Mate, your social media it changes it's, my day." Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Like you've got some serious stuff on there, but like fuck, you just got you've got a, a sense of humor that is very unique, and I love it. That's that's right. one of the the one the one thing that Scotty and I said was like, oh, I bet like we we've never spoken to you, but. I thought, oh, Roger's just going to be a bag of laughs. I can just tell, oh, yeah. like you can, you can, you can tell straight away by someone that you, you're just you're lighthearted and um, yeah, you can you can just have a, a, a yarn and a, a laugh at yourself sometimes. And, and it it's great. Be, it needs to be otherwise because there is some great stuff on the, on social media and it's a great platform and um, it certainly changed significantly in my day. You know, the only way of advertising yourself was either paying for an ad in the paper. Yeah, really sure. Trying to get on TV, which was uh, very, very expensive, or radio. Other than that, we had no other ways of promoting ourselves. And really, um, people only really got to me to know about me and what I do by me going out and churning hard yards and earning no money for it and turning up in teams and that were insignificant and asking people to give mm. me an opportunity. 
people forget about all that. You know, they forget about that I've grinded for 35 fucking years, not earning one dollar, and suddenly I've got the woo and they just can't handle it. You know what I mean? It's fucking, they forget about all those times. So Yeah, no worries. I, I, I always have this philosophy that if you make a statement, you need to make a statement. I want to be the best coach there is. If you've ever been coached by me, you'll see a difference the way I coach compared to anybody else. Yes, don't look at, don't let the social media bluff you. That's not a, that's, that's my, I have a commercial side of me or a fun side of me, but when I come down to business, there's nobody better than the game. My eye when it comes to speed is unbeatable. That's awesome. I love that. Mate, uh, let's let's go back. I, I'm just going to introduce you and just let people know who you are um, for those who don't know Rog. So you're one of Australia's top sprint coaches, if not the best, um, and founder of the Speed Agility Academy. After a successful career as an elite runner, you turned your hand to coaching in 95 and you've been inspiring young athletes across Australia ever since. The list of your athletes if you ever get a, ch- a chance to just dig through it, that you've trained over the years is quite extraordinary. Like it, it's amazing. So um, hats off. And we're going di- to we're going to peel back the, the the layers and talk about a few of those a little bit later on. But before we get started, I'm going to give you some lighthearted questions. So um, you keen for just a few just to break yeah, the ice? Uh, yeah. The ice is really broken, but let's have some fun while we're at it, mate. Would you rather breakfast or dinners? Dinner. Dinner? Yeah. What's what's your what's your go to um Dinner. what's your go to meal? I like schnitzels, man. Oh schnitties, yes. I got this Hungarian joint there that's up near my place. Um the guy's like fresh off the boat, Hungarian, and he makes schnitzels that make my cock go crazy. <laughs> I, I, mate, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the schnitty because there's a tradition in our family that when it's your birthday, you get to pick your meal, and every fucking year I pick schnitzels because my wife does a great, um, just homemade, but it, yeah. it tickles, it tickles my uh, um, nether region as well. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yours is a lot bigger than mine, but anyway, <laughs> mate, would you rather go back or forward in time for a week? Oh, that's a good question, hey. I, I say this with sentiment, probably back, just simply because if I could have my dad back for a week, you know, he was real close to me, we were, we were all tight. Um, yeah. And also, fuck, I've done some fuck-ups too as well. I changed some things as well. Mate, I, I've fucked up more than you've ever believed, but it's made me Peter the person I am now today. Okay. Um, would you rather live in a world of no music or no sport? Gee, they're my two passions. I know. I, I had a feeling this would be a um, an Achilles that's, heel that's, for you. Mate, if I had a gun against my head, I'd probably have to take the music away because I can't live without the sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Through COVID, it's the only thing that kept me alive. I'm crazy about American sport and okay. our Australian sport as well. In particular, uh, one American sport, or you just love yeah, I like them? Both. I like both. I've, I've worked in both of them. I worked in the NBA, not so much as I've worked in the NFL, but NFL was always a pinnacle. When, when I finally landed a job in the NFL, I was like Jared Hayne. I was like, my, my swag was untouchable. I was like, drinking. yeah, absolutely. Um, mate, do you have any phobias? Oh, I'm scared of my own shadow. I'm not even joking. I'm fucking really? terrified. No, maybe not my own shadow, I'm exaggerating, but I have got 
I suffer with anxiety and depression, right? I've got mental Yeah, health. sure. Um, I've suffered all my life. And uh, when dad passed, I was suicidal. So I finally, uh, and I didn't want my, my business was going gangbusters. And I've always handled my mental health just with tools that I've learned myself. In my mm. day, mental health wasn't as open or easy to talk to as it is now. It was, it's really encouraged now. And in actual fact, back then, people thought it was like a curse. To the extent that um, my mother, who's where, where Wogs, and she she wanted to send me, she sent me to, she met this like this witch doctor, um, and she believed in him. He was a, an Islander guy, and to tr- for me to try and get myself mentally better, he took me all the way to Fiji, and we went into a hut and they performed a ceremony. This is a guy like nineteen. I, I didn't know what where I was. I was frail as I could be. My mental health was making me real frail. Yeah. Performing ceremonies to try and eliminate me from this demon that they thought that I had in myself. And after a period of time, when Mum didn't see it go away, she sort of understood that you know I had further issues and that. So. Um, I got a little bit sidetracked now. So yeah, I, I for me, um, mental health is is a huge thing, and then I finally had to go on medication because I yep. didn't want to lose. I didn't want to lose what I had be- built because I knew I for had sure. two, I had two serious breakdowns, and the first one took me eighteen months to get through by myself. Oh wow! Okay, um, but and then, when was that? That was. Um, I was on the young end. Was that that time around that Fiji? Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. About 22, so it was about 30 years ago. Um, and then I had one, as I said, about three years ago, but really bad. This one was like really, really, really bad, and I couldn't get out of it. I was terrified. So had I known that medication would help me the way it's helped me, oh, far out. I would have saved myself 30 years of suffering. I probably would have gone on it earlier. There is some negative side effects to it. You know, I put on a little bit of weight and uh, my sex drive is not as high as it was before. But fuck, my, I used to, now I can wake up and look forward to living a day. Like before. No, that's great. It was torture. I was like, oh, I don't want to go through this every day. I used to think, I'll be honest with you, I used to think life was so overrated. I'd look at normal people and I, I couldn't understand why what was so good about it. I, can't, I couldn't yeah. work it out. All day I was just feeling nauseous, I was anxious, et cetera, et cetera. So I know I've gone a little bit off stray of the question. So the phobias that I still have, have left residual with me is heights. They've got worse. I have Wow, fear. okay. Terrifying. I'm the same. I fucking, I'm terrified of heights. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I cannot understand why I'm so, I'm so terrified. In actual fact, I don't know if you get this feeling. If I'm close to a ledge, I want to jump off it. Like I have this real, like... Stomach um, butterflies in my stomach. I know that. I know that feeling. What I don't, what I can't do is if I'm watching. You know how sometimes you get those. They pop up on Facebook and YouTube. Is videos of people scaling yeah. these buildings or cranes on the top it. of the building. I can't and like I, I have to turn it off straight away. I, I just feel so anxious and like. The stomach goes. I, I just have to turn it off because I can't watch it because I totally my, yeah yeah yeah. So that's my phobia as well. I hate. Well, if I go to like a theme park, right? And I and when my daughter was young, she used to like going on those water rides, right? Yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. time the ride to go up to go down. So you know the the hole in between the stairs, so you can see down on the floor. Yeah, I walk up the stairs with my head. <laughs> I don't want to look down down at the hole. 
used to take me forever. And the other phobia that I've also developed is, um, I don't know why, but I've, but it, it, it fluctuates, this phobia. Sometimes I can handle it and sometimes I don't. I don't steer away from them on purpose so I can get more exposure to them, is driving in tunnels. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to think I'm fucking mad. There's no a way, no. Where the M5 is? Where do you live? Do you live in Sydney? Oh, I'm up in Brisbane, but, um, okay, yeah, so got, I'll, I'll try and tunnels. correlate. We've got an M5. It's a real long tunnel. It goes for about 4Ks, right? But it takes about 30 minutes off your destination if you go through it. So yeah. your incentive is to go through it. I go in it. I turn the hazards on in my car. And, every you know, there's a little break at every... 200 meters or 300 meters there's an emergency lane that you can pull into yeah, People yeah. Don't know what's going on so i pull over there have a breather wave calm myself down go again it takes me about 20 minutes to get through it <laughs> it's a paradox it's you're better off just driving in the traffic no but because the therapist that i work with he says the only way you're going to overcome things is by exposure so you've got to not avoid these things otherwise they start interfering with your life and I don't want that to be a part of. Sorry for such a long-winded answer, but it's something that's dear to me. Yeah, no, that's fine. So um, let's let's uh, crack on. Tell us about your childhood, Rog, and um, what sports you played as a kid and when you first got into athletics. Is that dog driving you, Matt? Can you hear it? No, you go for it. It's fine, mate. It's We've all got it. It's just um, oh, yeah, it's fine, mate. Shush. Um, sorry, the question was, tell you about my childhood and what? Yeah, where'd you grow up and what sports you yeah. played as a kid when you first yeah. got into athletics? So I, I was um, decent. I, I went to a private school into my, in my secondary school. I got there on a sporting scholarship. Okay. I hated it. I was a, a good athlete. Um, I didn't know how good I was, actually, but I was quite decent. But I went to the school of Sydney Grammar. You probably got a Brisbane Grammar as well. I'm sure you do. Yeah, a very, very educated school. I was the dumbest guy in that school. So all the guys there were nerds. Um, but I was good when it came to sport. I was basically good because I was fast. It was a, I was a Lucy. I didn't like to get tackled, so I played on the wing. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Don't have a facade. The team was hopeless. We'd get beat hundreds of points. And most games wouldn't go past halftime because they surrender. They had a surrender rule. So we were. Oh, wow. So I went there. Um, then in year ten, I got expelled from that school, and I went to another private school, which was called Waverley. But I was okay. over school by then. Um, I only lasted two months, and I went and worked in my family business. My family owned um, a restaurant. My yep. mum and dad, as I said, they were, they were wogs. They came from a very hardworking family. Um, so we just all they knew how to do was work hard. So I went into that that for a while, um, and then I thought I was going to. They actually did really, really well financially. I thought, well, good. I'm just going to be. I'll just inherit that. And then my mum and dad had a very poor investment, and we went really, fr literally, from the penthouse to the shit house. And I had to um, quickly work out what I was going to be good at or what I wasn't going to be good at. And I went into the role of working. As a salesperson, that's all I was really. I didn't have, I didn't have a, a degree or anything to fall back on. Um, I wasn't a person that I hated study. Um, and then, but I was, I, but with my mental health, there was one thing that always used to keep the mental health under wraps was my training and okay. exercise. And so track was really important to me. 
um, both on a mental and a physical um, status. So I, I kept on that, that and competed at a pretty high level for a long period of time. And I'm a sort of bloke that if I do something, I'm going to do it the best or not do it at all. Very similar okay. to like my social media posts, right? I think if I'm going to do something, then I'm going to spend time on it. Let me do something that was going to capture somebody else's attention. Why put a post up that's very similar to 300 other trainers that are out there? You know, the exercise is good and what's good, but it's boring. Fuck me, they're just okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But to the you know to their defence, that's that's what they're gone to school to do, or or have a degree on, and and they like to promote their intelligence, which is fair enough. But for me, it doesn't capture me at all. It's just boring. It's repetitious. So at that stage, as I was touching on before, um, for me to get really passionate and, and educate myself on speed, I was already in the workforce where most of my other friends or colleagues were at uni or educating themselves further to get themselves ready for a professional career. Um, I was earning, earning money already and I was already in my family business. And so what I would do just for my own personal development with track mm. was to go overseas because there were only at that that time there was only probably two or three people that were regarded worldwide as speed authorities and I didn't have the luxury of getting on a zoom call or listening over the internet or so that you didn't have any of those so the only type of footage you would potentially see was the olympics of, and that was nothing about coaching there, and that was only on every four years so um i was on a mailing list with these guys and uh, anytime they were doing some type of seminar or workshop, um, I paid and it was quite expensive to go and travel over there because there was only one airline then and travelling to to Canada or to the US was very expensive and I was only still quite young and I was just going, I think I made about 17 or 18 trips um, every time. Holy I was, shit. Yes, that's a lot. Um, and I was also with, with a partner at that stage as well and um I'm not sure. My, my daughter was just born as well. So it was putting a big pressure on ourselves because I wasn't making all that money. And whatever money that I had, I was just spending on education. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's how it started, the career. that. But then I was forced into this position. We'll probably get further on talking on, on that later on. Is there any other of those questions that we have to go through? Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to touch on that um, now is when you set up the Speed Agility Academy. Um did you envisage the growth and success that you would have now all those years ago? So let me keep on going for the int- The story is quite interesting. Um, so for me to keep to, I had a very young family and I was a knockabout. I was hanging around with a bad crowd, not a bad crowd, as bad, bad crowd as I knew they were doing bad stuff and I, I was just hanging around with them. But I wanted to be a would-be gangster sort of style of go. I wanted to be accepted with those guys, um, but I didn't want. I didn't have the guts to do what they were doing. Oh, I would never put myself into that sort of jeopardy. So, I, I had a corporate job at that time. I was working for Foxtel and Optus Vision when they first came out. You know, when the cable just first came to Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more inquisitive about what cable TV was like, and it was up my alley because it was all about sport and. You know, knocking on doors, I wasn't scared. I don't have a problem getting face-to-face and getting, taking a no or a yes. And people, and it was a product I knew people would be interested in. Anyway, um, that crowd that I was running with as well, at one stage, one of the head guys, um, who was like a big standover bloke, who was well-known, I won't mention his name. 
yeah, right. still, still these days, um, came to me with a proposition, said, you know, I was living in a house with a triple garage. He said, do you mind if I put some stuff in your garage? You know, I'll pay you some money and you can earn some extra money on the sub. For me, it was handy. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. Anyway, eight weeks into the arrangement, I come home one day from Optus Vision and I open the gate and fuck, these coppers and everything were everywhere. They jumped off my roof. My roof, my telephone was off the My wife was nine months, eight months pregnant, right? She was just about to give birth. And every time when I finished, um, mobiles weren't big then, you know, there were people had them. But not everybody. I don't think my wife had one, but I had one. And I used to ring her after work always just to see if she needed anything because she was heavily pregnant on the way home. And while I'm ringing the house phone, fuck, it's off the, it's engaged, engaged, engaged. I thought there's something got to be wrong because we had that two-way calling system, you know, even if it was a, a, a phone. So they could hear the beep, 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 even if they were on the phone. It was just permanently engaged. Wow. You should have thought, known that, you know, because when the coppers come to your house, then they, they take the phone off the hook so nobody can get in touch with you. And more importantly, they didn't want anyone to get in touch with me to warn me that they were there. So they wanted me to continue my journey on my way home. So anyway, so when I get into the house, uh, when I get to the door, I open up this freaking police everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here? Then I put did you know in. then in that moment that, oh, fuck, it's, it's the garage? Or did you think, what the fuck's going on? In, in the my, my initial reaction was what the fuck is going on yeah but then when i started to think about it, i thought fuck i'm sure this is for the garage for sure yeah 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 so, and obviously yes it was you know the fuck my house was turned upside down anyway they had the guy under surveillance and they knew that there was something there so they they had found it prior to me getting there and they're just waiting for me to come home anyway so that was the worst i went to it in a situation where i ended up in custody wow i wasn't, I wasn't giving anyone i wasn't going to give him up who knows what was going to happen you know it was a shit crowd mm. you know what that's like and and I, i'm a firm believer i'm not a snitcher anyway i hate people who do that and I believe if you, if you play in the kitchen, which I knew, I sort of knew what they were doing wasn't kosher. I didn't kosher. I didn't know to what extreme. Um, then if you play, then and you get and you get burnt, then you got to take you got to stand up, cop it like a man, right? That's right. So I got I got refused bail. I went and it was actually quite a, a large amount of drugs that he had in there. Over oh, okay. It was a large commercial quantity of drugs. So you're in strife at this point. And I've never taken a drug in my life. I don't even know okay. what drugs look like. Everybody that knows me will tell you that. You, you, Just by me having anxiety and depression, I would never interfere with my mental health as it is. It's hard enough without having to have to deal with drug stimulation as well. Even though people do use it as a coping mechanism, I had another form of coping mechanism, which was either um, gambling, which was that's why I was looking for extra money on the side anyhow, or exercise you know but you can't exercise every second of the day so for me to escape myself most people when they suffer with mental health go to a, a substance abuse to escape the way they feel they either will turn to alcohol or they'll turn to drugs or gambling or whatever it may be um 
and gambling certainly doesn't help it. It actually, in the time being, while you're doing it, feels okay and you're good, but then it actually can make worse, make the situation catastrophic. You know, yeah, it definitely can. Lose all your money and then suddenly you're fucking fucked again. So yep. for me, looking for extra money on the side when I was younger, when the guy was asking me, if, you know, can earn an extra couple of hundred a week by just leasing a garage, I was like, fuck you, what do I, who, who gives a shit? I don't care what you put in there. I didn't realise that I was actually breaking the law by doing that. My role in the chain of supply was deemed as a safe house. So I was a person that the police wouldn't look for because I was a square head just going to work like a normal job. So I was a crucial part of the link because people, those types of people that they were looking for could find it easy and safe to leave stuff with me because they wouldn't think they were going to look for me. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just... So did you at this at this point in your life were you were you blindly naive to the fact that he was doing setting uh, you up for that or like you had an inkling that shit was going to happen or you're on that thin red line of being in trouble and getting away with it So I first of all so I let's let's make sure we say this right I don't think he intentionally or anyone that gets caught would intentionally set up anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an inkling, but I, of course, I, you know, the f- couple of things that I thought of, in your heart of hearts, you want to believe that it's okay because you need the money. Yeah, you know yeah, for sure. I'm, 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 my decision was about the money, the 200 a week. It was yep. like back then that was okay. It was an extra 200. When you're earning only six or $700 a week back then, which was Huge. a decent wage, yeah. Then two hundred dollars for doing nothing is an extra quarter of top of your wage, which is yeah. good money. But when you look at it in the hindsight, you look back and what it's cost me in in return. It's the most stupid decision of all. Of course, my wife said to me, "Do you think it's is anything going to happen?" I said, "What can? What's the big deal? People lease their garages out all the time. How, what am I going to be a, a fucking security guard and find out what he's putting in there?" But it is the onus is on you. Yeah, you know, it you is. And I didn't realize that, or maybe I didn't want to realize that. And it ended up actually being a quite a. And this is the only. This is the first time I've really spoken about it, to be honest. You know, and, and you can understand why I've had to keep it quiet. You know, it's for sure. Yeah. And yeah. the only reason why I'm speaking about it now is because I know I've got myself into such a great position that even me exposing it can't hurt me anymore. But it has hurt me many, many times because I tried to get many jobs after I finished my time, which I ended up doing two and a half years for that. For that. Jeez, that's a fair thing. chunk. For fucking nothing. Yeah. You think it lasted eight weeks at $200 a week, so that's $1,600 or it's all I earn. I tried to fight the case because my wife needed me. Right, so I, I wanted to go to plead ignorance to the court that I didn't know what was going on. So that solicitor and barrister cost me 50K. So that's another. And then get beat. That's two and a half years. You're sitting in the cell thinking to yourself, well, I'm here and I don't even know what, I've, what, what I'm supplying. I don't and there's blokes, what- there's blokes that have done far worse walking the streets just got off scot-free in other crimes and it, that's that's the shit that i i it doesn't sit well with me is um there's a lot of innocent people that um there is, I mean, there's they, a lot of they, they do time and yeah 
it's but, uh, look, Roscoe. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not crying because I played in the kitchen, and if I got burned, I just copped it on the chin. But I'm just thinking, gee, if you put it into perspective, and they understood, I have no reason to lie to you now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm telling this is the hundred percent the truth, which I was trying to convey over to the jury, who didn't buy my story. Mm. But anyhow, at the end of the day, um, I knew. Okay, so hold on. Let me let me rephrase that. I did twist a little bit to the jury because I pleaded that I knew apps that he would I, that he was doing nothing wrong. When I can tell you, yes, I knew he was doing something, but certainly not to this magnitude. Or yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Even yeah, if for you, sure. If you put a dead body in there, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I didn't watch. I didn't give a shit. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was just thinking mm. this two hundred dollars. But in hindsight, I look back on it and think. It's the most foolish decision I've ever made. So what's the count? What's the reaction from that action? Is that after that, and this is why these people that have these problems, they find it so hard to go straight because it's so hard to get a job. You know, if you go, if, if you go to get a job and you're interviewing me and there's 10 other candidates and they've got nothing on their report sheet, then who, they're always starting 10 metres in front of me. And obviously that that lingered with you right up until the moment where you created your own business, right? It, it, it hasn't stopped. Yeah. And you'll yeah. see at some stages, say, for example, Bronson Sherry, right? Mm. I wanted to have a chat about him because I, I see he that he's, made, he's making his comeback, which is fantastic. When was that? Oh, so well, no, I see he's training with you. That's, no, no, that's no, what no, I... No. No. When, when, when did he get caught? When was he in trouble? Was that two years ago? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, it, it, half it'd be ago, about right. right. Yeah, it'd be about right. So, what do you think? What do you think the press would do? I'm training him. He gets caught for steroids. Mm. Don't they? Oh. You join the dots. It's 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 not a it's yeah it's it's not a fair look on anyone that's um, connected to, to it. But everyone, everyone. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't, got, I, don't, I don't know anything about it, but they've always got to put something in the media because it's 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 something that will never go away. That's bullshit that you serve yeah. your time and you've repaid your debt to society and now let's get on and start over again. Yeah, that's it's a, a vicious world. fucking wheel, isn't it? Um, the way the the way the world works with media, it's um it's a vicious vicious wheel that um they. It I, I'm cool with it, Roscoe. It, it, it if it's just come at me, but I've also got a daughter and I've mm. got a wife and I've got people around me who don't need to hear this shit. Who need yeah, yeah. don't be caught, always reminded of the situation. Ah, oh, your husband was a criminal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I can I can only imagine what what you're saying is um I, I, I yeah it would be incredibly difficult it'd be incredibly difficult. It's going to come at you and you suffer with mental health as it is yeah and that's one thing that got up on me so it's very difficult yeah I, yeah it, it would be tough um so at, at this stage you've done your time you're out is that when you you were struggling to get jobs like you said is that when you I, thought I, 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 did, I did land another job right it was a good one i i managed to escape the person uh or the company doing a background check on me okay and in that in that year i think it was 2002 it wasn't so strict you could still get but i didn't do this but you could still get your mates to be 
a, a reference, you know, I uh, get my mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. We've all done that. Yeah, that's all changed now. And they have heavy scrutiny now. They get police checks and then they hire um, proper recruitment agencies to go through a very stringent process, even if you're going probably at McDonald's. So it's yeah. very difficult. But then uh, the two boys at the Roosters in 2010 got into trouble with prescription medication and it happened again. So then it came to light. Then my company found out about it. So Friendy and Toddy, uh, Jake Friend and Todd Carney got in trouble with Valiums or prescription drugs. Yep. Who's the blame? The sprint coach. They hang around with him all the time. It's like I got fucking nothing to do with it. So it came to press because 2010 the Roosters were making a serious charge. We came from nowhere and made the grand final and ended up getting beaten by the Dragons, right? We are fast. We had a fast team. We are going so good. But then that was when it finally came out and then I was fucked from then. So that's when I, ha- I said, I am not putting my hands of the future into anybody else's hands except for my own. I want to control my destination. I don't give a sh- I, I can't be on eggshells every time I get employed to find out if, the, if this is contrary or not contrary, even though it was ages ago. Yeah, that's like it's fair oh, enough. I can totally understand how you got to that. It's 25 that stage. years ago. Yeah, it's, it's fucked. So I thought, I didn't even know if it was going to be any good. I thought, well, my ex-boss at that time, he liked me, felt sorry for me, actually, because I was a high performer. Mate, I was a good performer. I was great at sales. I could top it all the time. And I was an asset to the company, but the company was a publicly listed comp- company and didn't want the bad look that associated with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you take the narrative and control it into your own hands? And he's like, well, what are you good at? I said, well, fuck, I'm only good at one thing, and that's running fast. And I know a lot about speed, but speed's not. What's that? Where's that going to get me? Look what I've built. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about that. What what year was that that you set it up? Was it around that 2010? Um, I think that's when I started. Yeah, that I really set it up solo. I had been doing. I had been doing it. I had, I had my own squad, but it was just um, for hobby and competing. And I needed a, a, a I needed stable mates or squad members with me to push me hard to keep going, so I could feel competition all the time. I yep. was a very big believer of, and this is what I had been told back then, and it, it's not rocket science now, but certainly you, you find people still not doing it. When I was going to all these countries to hear about or educating myself, one of the things that always stood out was if you can be in a position where you can replicate your game scenario at training all the time, you have a distinct edge on everybody else. So that meant to me that my game scenario was racing seven or eight other athletes at a high speed. If I could get seven or other eight other athletes to train with me, I could replicate the game scenario with training. So when it came to be game scenario, I understood how it. Yeah, you've been there, done it. Yeah, I exposed myself to that all the time. So I always had a squad. And then I started to think, fuck, I'm not too bad. I found a comfortable coaching. I enjoyed it. I started to get respect. And people were starting to give me opportunities. I was doing it all out of passion. I was going to club. I used to, 
And my dad would think, I'm freaking mad. I'd wait. It'd be pouring with rain. He said, where are you going? And so I'm, I'm going to go down the road and the kids are training there. I'm going to ask them if they want me to do a speed session for them. And I said, what for? It was pouring rain. Because I, I want to use this knowledge that I've been taught overseas, that I've been educating myself, and maybe help other people. So it sounds like you just had that desire and that short, that um, that burning fire, just to push on. Like you've never, you've never wavered in the fact that I'm going to be a coach and I'm yeah. going to bloody do it. And it, if I do it to at the grassroots level with kids or the highest level with athletes, it's um, it's it's no different. Yeah, I, I was I was on a mission. I was not mm. going to wait for that knowledge that I had. I was frustrated and annoyed and angry that I couldn't get an opportunity in the real world and be like everybody else and that they promised me once it would go, once I had finished and did my debt to society, uh, kept my mouth shut, held my pride, didn't didn't dob on anybody, just took it like a man, um, that my life would return back to normal and that was all a lie because as I started to grow fire and get more and more publicity, then they were looking for areas to be able to put shit on me. Yeah, that's 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 vicious. Um, so you know, you've made the the comment that you were over in the states. You've been there like twenty times at this stage, like back and forth. Yeah. You worked with teams like the San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, along with basically all the all the codes in Australia: NRL, AFL, A League. Yeah. How 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 much of a beast is the NFL machine? Like it's something else, isn't it? Well, I, I quickly identified, Roscoe, that because I was an athlete, that if I associated myself coaching speed to just track athletes, I'd be eating at the Salvation Army because they earn yeah. the money. They yeah. make no money. Which is wrong, Next but yeah. Which still to this day, they make zero. You know, yeah. they train their asses off and the only time you ever hear about them or the public are ever interested in them is at the Olympics. Olympics, and all yeah. $2,500 gold medal that they have to take to a pawn shop and hock it so they've got money to eat. But they train like bastards and only a very small percentage of them might get picked up by uh, some corporate and ask them to be an ambassador for them so they can earn some extra money. But right. it's the most un... Uh, what's the word that I'm trying to look for when, you, when you're not getting paid for what you deserve? Well, it's, it's not glorified. It's just... Well, you, yeah, but you, you're you're basically... I'm saying, I meant to say yeah. it's rewarding in every in every facet you know you only hear about the swimmers and you'll know them for about and they work their asses off and all the people at the olympics for the short period of time and then they go into oblivion you never hear from yeah, them again absolutely but they're harder than anybody else so i identified to myself i need to understand if there is a difference in the speed concept if you're training track athletes or if you're training field athletes is there a difference uh, do they train a different way? Are their recoveries different? Is the programming different? How often do they ex get exposed to speed? Because if they're an NFL player or an NRL player, how much time in a week can they dedicate to speed? They've got so many other skills that they've got to coach, kicking, passing, tackling, teamwork, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So common sense made me understand that, and I hope the public that listen to this understand that, if everybody could be fast on the amount of time that the NRL player gets exposed to speed a week, then the whole world would be fast because they literally only do speed about 20 minutes in the whole week. So wow. surely it's going to take more than that to make them fast. 
And that's why they come and seek me independently because I can control the program, I can control the narrative, I, have to, I understand the existing program, their load that they do, and I've been in the industry for so long, I know how to get an athlete quick, fast, as in what I mean by quick, fast, as in, I, honestly, speed grows like trees if you're a competent athlete. So I know what, what and a, a player may only get six or seven weeks in the off-season. I can't work with drills that are going to make the improvement in him slow. I need to make them significant quickly. In the time, so, in the limited time that you have, yeah. Because at the next year, at the off-season, if only gains that much or a real a small amount, just in case people can't see me, um, then at the end of next year, I, I would scratch my head and think, I'm better off just fucking doing nothing. Who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? But if they're going to yeah. invest six weeks and come to me, I've got to make a difference with them. Yeah. Otherwise, it's useless. And, I, and so it's a problem that I have with the other teams. Oh, sorry, with the high performance managers of all the teams, it's very difficult because I understand what they're com- where they're coming from. Because if I do hurt their player with a hamstring or and it's happened. And we don't have 400 Andrew Johns or Jared Haynes or Sonny Bills sitting on the sidelines. So you heard a marquee player, that places a big difference. And all those people that are employed by that team are really got their marquee players to keep them in a job. Absolutely. It's all business. It's all business. If the team doesn't perform, they lose their job. So coming to me is catch-22. I'm like on eggshells. But if I get them, if I get them right, then they love me to death. Absolutely, mate. Let's talk about the Roosters and Anthony, yeah. the the great Anthony Minicello. Um, he he's he's a guest that we've had on the show, and he's a one of my favourite footy players of all time. Um, but he struggled with chronic back injuries and or injuries yeah. in general throughout his whole stellar career. Yeah. Can you tell us how your working relationship came about and? Obviously, how that exposure um, affected yeah, your business. He um, indirectly, I mean, it wasn't a plan. I just, again, I tell you, being in the sales game had helped me. I understood yeah. that I got an opportunity, and this is what your guys, if they're coaches or trainers or even listeners, that's that's what they should, if they want to grab anything from this podcast, is if you get an opportunity in life in anything. And you don't know how to maximize it or expose it or grow from that, then you're only ever going to be regular. And I'm not regular, I'm fire. The reason being is because I understood that there was an opportunity there and then I had to market and maximize myself from it. Now, Minnie, as you said, had heaps and heaps of back issues, got to a point where he tried everything possible, even the conventional surgery. And I'm not saying I'm a master. I haven't got healing hands or I'm not Jesus Christ. I didn't just bless him or anything like that. Um, But fortunately for me, posture does place a big importance when it comes to speed gain. And one thing that, you know, is neglected in rugby league terms or in in actual fact in any field playing sport is one thing that they're always doing is running, whether they're running slow or fast that's one thing that they're constantly doing. Isn't that right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And if, if it is the one value that you're constantly doing, then 
why aren't you taught how to do it correctly? You know, you're not always kicking or catching or tackling, but you're always running. There's zero emphasis on it at a grassroots level. So at the highest level, don't worry about that. Yeah. There's got to be a right way and a wrong way to run. If you don't think that, then you're ignorant. Absolutely. There is a right way and a wrong way to run. If you're running slow, then you're running for efficiency because that means you don't want to burn your petrol so you can keep sustaining that. And if you're running fast, there's got to be a right way to make sure you'd be the fastest version of yourself. Absolutely. It's just common sense. Yep. So the guy that I met that was in jail with me, incidentally ended up getting a job at the Roosters as, as, as one of the S&Cs there, right? And many was going, must have going, must have been going to him or to many people there, frustrated, saying, Fuck, I don't know what I can do. I've tried everything to get back onto the field and I last one or two games and then I'm gone again. A long shot. My my mate was a long shot. Good thinking on his behalf. He said, Look, I've got a mate. I don't know if this can help you, but he specialized, he's he's great in running gate and running mechanics. Maybe there's something wrong or 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 right that we could do better. What, you know, you've tried everything else. Why not give him a go? Sure enough, the work we've worked together that year, he ended up getting the golden boot, which is the most prestigious prize of the world. Absolutely. Um, ended up having playing more games he's ever played in his life in that year. And his best footy, he would probably say. So, whether it, who, no one will ever know whether it was just a coincidence or it just happened. But, what what did you have to tweak with him? Is because obviously he's chronic back, but what what's a little some examples of what you did for Mini? So most importantly, when Mini was running at his highest speed, I don't know if you can visualize this. I'm going to try and say it in the most layman's terms possible. Right? He used to arch in his back and pull his head back when okay. he was highest speed. So what that would do. That was putting unnecessary pressure on his lower back and his glutes and his hamstrings. So, they were, so instead of letting his glutes and hamstrings and quads take the load, all the load was going through his lower back. Wow. So I changed his gait, his posture position, and we worked and on it. What what little things did you have to, like, brace his back or did you no, have to, like, imaginary okay. make sure? They're good, they're, they're good questions. And they're real technical. And if I, I don't know if your audience would understand, but um, not so much. There was no apparatus that I put on his back. It was making him aware of his posture, okay. putting drills that would complement him trying to change his posture. Because very difficult. Can you imagine if you run a certain way for a long period of time? It's like the software in a computer. If it's always been yeah. in there for a long period of time, it's very difficult to rearrange that software and then reprogram it all over again which is basically what I had to do. I had to almost take him all the way back and restructure it and reprogram the wiring to start getting um, much more functionality out of him. Wow. And, like, was that, you say, like a um, like the off-season, it was like a six to seven weeks that you usually yeah. get. How, how, long did it, how long did it take for, for Mini that year? Because I think Mini that year... Because he couldn't get on the field or so they make, and I think they were out of finals contention. So they allowed him to spend more time working with me. They wrote it, wrote him off for the year, the last six weeks. So I had the last six weeks of the regular year 
then the whole of the off-season, and then the whole of the pre-season. That's awesome. So I had heaps and heaps of time. And that's exactly what you want. Like, that's best-case scenario. Best-case scenario. In all scenarios. Yeah, exactly. Um, So talking about your, your sessions... It's been you've you've been quoted like you refuse to work in with gimmicky drills or sessions that allow progress to go slowly, like you said. Understanding that time is crucial. So, how for a new athlete to come to you? Um, how how do you, how do your sessions differ from so what they've had from other happen? coaches? I tell you, I tell you. So again, ex- this is the one of the good things about getting old is experience because. Yeah. As I said to you at the start of this podcast, I've fucked up heaps of times. So being around the world so many times and listening to so many different people, you have to take different types of opinions. Some things have tried, and just because they've said things and I say things even on this podcast, right, or they've Mm. said things, um, I'm only talking from experience because it worked for me. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the gospel rule. So I would, everything that these guys, that they had thought, so speed, you have a look at the, the movement of speed, right? It's not a complicated movement. You guys, you see a guy sprinting, you have a look. It's not really complicated. I'm not building a, 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 a museum or I'm building a house. It's just I'm fixing running mechanics. So small things, when it's not a complicated movement, make a significant difference. So having yeah, that right. of understanding, you need to, I'm not, you're not working with a big, range of complexities that you can fix here or take tweak here it's very very basic so you have to understand how the chain of supply works and you have to not that's why i don't work with gimmicky drills because if you look at the way jesse owens ran 50 or 60 years ago and look at the way usain bolt runs there's hardly any difference it hasn't you know it's not such a huge like as compared to you look at the forwards of yesteryear compared yeah this year, yeah. completely different, but that's more in body type. But we're talking that's about right. running. Anybody, everyone can run, whether they run wrong, wrong or right. For tens of thousands of years. For years it's and just, years and years. Yeah. years. Yeah. It's about doing the simple things and the basic things brilliantly. Brilliantly. Yes. So how does it work? person will come to me and have an assessment. The first things I'll ask them after the win of the assessment, how much time do I have? You know, Fortunately, most people that play park football, which is the main essence of my other coaches, I've got 17 coaches that work underneath me now, um, not just in New South Wales. I have Brisbane, Melbourne, and I also have coaches in New Zealand. Um, okay. So it's expanding, and that's a lot of credit goes to Becky, who you've dealt with. Yeah, um, yeah, great girl. She comes from a very uh, a, a brilliant business mind. I don't have a business mind whatsoever. I'm, I'm a great coach, but that's business I'm more I'm more than likely will fuck business up as opposed to make it grow ever since her coming on board and putting structures and all these things and procedures into place my business has grown rapidly it hasn't come it's and it hasn't come easy as well there is good sides and bad sides of it as well and I'm only going to say one thing very quickly because I don't know how much time you have actually I have to go up to my psychiatrist at two so we're running we've probably got how long do you want to go for May I'm I'm happy to keep talking probably another twenty that's minutes good. or so. Yeah, 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 awesome. Yeah, let's keep going for another ten or 15, 20 minutes. That's good. Yeah, come cool, on. Um, going back to to while it's grown, the one mistake that I have done, and fuck, if I could change things back now, I would. 
and everybody told me this is that employing friends, fuck, that's the worst. It's been the worst thing I could have done. I yeah, mean, I've heard that many times before. Friends and family, it's um, it's just getting into bed. Well, I, thought yeah. I thought it was a cliche. They take it, yeah. you know. I don't want to put shit on my coaches, but it's it's been it's very difficult to have a personal and a professional relationship with them. And I've all my coaches, and this is this is also which is um, difficult. I, I'm a real loyal person, right? Extremely loyal. As you know, I have come, haven't come from the most traditional um, background. I haven't didn't go to university, etc. I can't. I come from a more experienced background, as a, as from an education background. Yes. And yeah. all the coaches that I've employed that have worked for me, they've done the same fucking thing. They've been either my, in my squad, and they've they've listened to me for years and years. And then I've given them a, an opportunity to train athletes at the highest level. So how do you think that the person that's gone out to do a bachelor of human movement feels when he would aspire or she would aspire to be training an athlete at the highest level. And there's fuck knows Roger Fabry with the big nose taking one of his coaches or his athletes, putting him in front of one of their idols and coaching them. How do you think that they feel about that? Well, it's sometimes it works. I mean, it's, it's, it's they would be, they would be. But so what have I spent four years going to university aspiring to train this bet and you know I, I sort of feel at some stages my coaches take that for granted that i've grinded mm. so hard that i've got to a position that has helped them along the way and then they start taking my kindness as a weakness and then when i ask them to do something it's a hassle it's like because you're friends it's like oh, yes i understand like, that i understand that don't fucking do it I'm the boss. Where, 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 where do I get this respect from? When, when can I have it? It's like, oh, I'm not getting paid enough money. Fuck off. If I, if I didn't give you a chance, you wouldn't be doing, what would you be doing? Absolutely. So that, yeah, that's that. They're the, all the, the, the beauties and the, the, the uglies that come with business. So, mate, let's, let's move on to um, NRL players. Yeah. I, I've seen on your social media and, Everyone jump on and give Roger follow. Um, you recently you put up a video with a wager of two grand yeah. for any NRL player to come out and race Jason Saab. Now, yeah. for those who don't know Jason Saab, he plays for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles and he is fucking lightning. He's a winger, he's about oh, six foot eight tall. Yeah. He's, he's 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 huge, but he's like he he's one of those runners that just glides. And when you're watching him on TV, he, it looks like he's barely hitting top speed. But in real life, it's fucking lightning. So you've you've said that you want to see the likes of um, Josh Adokar, I guess, and any other any other quick players that I could probably think of, like Xavier Savage and Hamaso Tabuai Fido. That I, would there's heaps of people that they've put forward. But I, I'm telling you. Yeah, tell us about that. Like how and Gus Gould, your you, you good old mate um, at the Bulldogs, he said that Josh Adokar's the fastest bloke on the planet. You disagree, and I'm with you. Um, there's a there's a mate of mine, Lukey. He's a, a massive Manly fan, and we we're, we're all um, we're all in grants with you, mate. Okay, so so first and foremost, so Gus has now changed his attitude. He's now it's fastest man over the in the planet over 70 meters is the fox don't forget i train the fox as well so yes yeah 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 um 
the Fox and I, he's done some real great things and really he's a real success story. I I, I got to believe I, I, the, the amount of improvement in that guy. I remember when he first started, I only just, he was just, I thought he was just average, but you know, leaving the Sharks and going to the Tigers and the Tigers, I thought, you know, what's the, but then fuck at the storm. He's been, he's, he's so best, he's best winger high. of the decade. You would say he's, yeah, he's I, been I, fucking easily. He takes the ball. He reads the game. He's fuck up. Like he's, he's my also, boy, he's my also, friend. Yeah. I'm a bat, massive rap for him. Everybody, you got to be honest. Everybody wants to see that race. Fucking oath we do. Bring it back. And I don't know what the hell, you know, I've been trying my ass off to get a footballer's race, but a fair income footballer's race. Yes. I don't yes. say a fair income one. No one wants to see a 20s player that they don't fucking know go and represent a club. Who gives a shit about yeah, it? Exactly. Have a criteria where they have to have played a minimum of four or five NRL games, right? The guys that you watch and cheer on every week have it down 100 metres. Everyone wants to see it. Let's not speculate. It is one sport. It is one sport where you can compare and get a winner as opposed to saying, oh, is Michael Jordan as good as LeBron James? How do you ever know? They're completely different. Put her on the different track. Different Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, if you played in the basketball game and they played in two different teams, how would you know who's a better player? What exactly. play one-on-one. This is a sport where it's completely quantifiable. There's no – it's not subjective. I'm telling you, I know who's the fastest over 100. That's why I put 2,000 out there. I don't have 2 million in the bank where 2,000 is not going to make a difference to me. 2,000 is, to me, will make a difference. But Absolutely. I know, I know for sure, because of, and what you said before, and to Fox's credit or to anybody, Fox is fast. I haven't seen Fox this off-season. But Fox is now a little older. Jason's only 21. He's raw. Uh, he's built like an athlete. He looks, yes. I said, he looks effortless when he runs. Mm. And I've changed that in actual fact because I, I thought that that was to a hindrance. And you'll see now the frequency that I've put into this guy, that illusion where you guys think it's effortless will start now being noticeable. Oh, yeah. that's Remember exciting. That's, that is exciting for Manly I, fans and NRL fans. That's fucking, that's exciting. That's why I'm so confident was going so boldly out there saying because I'm having, I'm looking at the stopwatch and I'm seeing what it's giving me back in and I'm saying, oof. How quick? Awesome. How quick are we talking? We're talking. Okay, do you want to know? Yeah, let's do it. This is exclusive. Exclusive. Let's do it. <laughs> Go, Rog. Give us – what is it? This is like Danny Widener stuff for you now. Yeah. <laughs> Before all these sneersayers or everybody goes, goes on carrying on, let me just condition you first. This is walk-in start, handheld clock. So we're not racing from a static position. It's not electronic timing, but it is on grass and it's not on cinders or tartan. I clocked him running 10.64. Wow, that is quick. That is lightning. For a footballer. Wearing boots. Wearing boots. See, fucking hell, put him on tarmac. Mate, that is quick. That is quick. 1064. That's lightning. That's um. That's that's Olympic sort of stuff. Like you're well, you're at the. Not, it's not, it, no, it, let's put it because they'll jump all over you, right? These guys can run quicker than that. Static, which is not a walking start, 
Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for that. We've got to give these guys a little bit of respect, otherwise they jump on my platform and say, oh, you're giving athletes no credit and et cetera, et cetera. But let's put it in perspective. Is a footballer not an athlete? Yeah. That's how fast he is. I mean, you, you've seen some of the breaks. He's picked up guys in five strides. What about that? I don't know. He chased somebody down. I think it was Walsh. But he ended up catching him and then he fell off him. He still scored a try. But yeah. The amount yeah. that he made up was unbelievable. Yeah. Was that, I no, love it. No, it wasn't Walsh. You know who it was? It was the hammer. It was yes, you're right. Well. You're right. And, and he's um, supposed to be lightning. Yeah, yeah, true, mate. I what I what grinds my gut is um the stats that get thrown up and they say oh so and so's ran thirty eight point one kilometers an hour. Well, that means fucking bullshit. That's that. That means nothing because it's all subjective to the what's happening in the game and like boy, boy. You know people I mean? take that, they forget about that. But at the same time, they know it's a stimulus. And as and look what we're doing now, we are talking about it. So Telstra are doing the right thing. They yeah. want people to talk about stuff like that. But there's so many uh, variables that, that, that people can't control. What time of the game did it happen? You know, if people were at it, was he chasing somebody? Did he have the ball? You know, it's 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 all game specific. Let's That doesn't mean anything. Let's put them on a track. Let's put them in a lane. Let's have a starter. Let's have a finish line and let's have a winner. And I promise you this, the 2000 will be still sitting in my pocket. I'm so excited. We got. We could get a fundraiser going, Rog. I reckon we can raise that's some money for easy, some. That's the easiest part. It's not. It's not about that. It's about the NRL letting it happen. I can yes. get sports. Yeah. Sports will do it tomorrow. I've already put everything into into. I I submitted a proposal ten years in a row. Now I got so close one year when the nines were on in Auckland. Jayco were running the promotion of it, right? What better time to do it? All the teams are already there. It's not like they have to fly the players over. We're in one scenario. We're in one stadium. We run it in between the games. We run the heat and we run a final. It's already done. I so guess, can- yeah, they're only, I guess what we, we, we touched on before is that it's injury. a business. It's a business. And, like, if, yeah. if their racehorse gets injured, like, yeah. fuck yeah, who's to blame? Um, let's talk about COVID and yeah. how that affected you, Rog, because I know that you, you're based in Sydney and anywhere in the world would realise that Australia's copped it in terms of lockdowns worse than anywhere else and Melbourne's no um, no different. But you guys in Sydney have copped your fair share. How did how did you how were you affected over lockdowns and how did your business um, function? So are you talking? Okay, so you've qualified one thing. So business wise, it hurt me significantly. Um, financially, it hurt me significantly. Mentally, I coped probably better than normal people. Why? Because I deal with adversity all my life, mental health is part, I know how to how to handle it. So people that have never experienced mental health before because their lives have been turned upside down, I know how to, because I've, I've been exposed to it. Imagine going to jail with mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a confined space, you can't use your coping mechanism. So um, mentally it, it was okay, it was hard, but I, I actually ended up being more of a mentor to a lot of people who lost their businesses or houses um, in the mental aspect. And it, it, gave, it was really rewarding on my behalf. I like that. Um, 
on a business perspective, it hurt me significantly because my business model right now, um, I'm very fortunate because I have so many coaches. So I only work with people. Who, I don't do privates anymore. I don't do one-on-ones. I only work in squad scenarios, big scenarios, um, so I can maximise my income and, and minimise yeah, sure. what to spend out there. But then when the ratios got taken away from me, that it, you could only have one-on-one coaching, I didn't have any clients because I didn't have any. My All my coaches, they, they do all mm. that. They're, they've their model was set up for it and they blossomed and really good. And I didn't want to change my model because I'd worked fucking 15 years to get to this situation. So I, I had to, ended up having to do really long hours and working with people that I was working with one at a time, going through wow. for a third of the money, not even. But at least it kept wow. me away. You know, I left the stimulus there for people who needed it. You know, I, I was fortunate. At least I got out of the fucking house. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was important. I was regarded as a essential service. So thank God for that. Otherwise, I would have gone out of my mind. Amen. Um, what's your life motto, Roger? Um, well, right now it's it, it's bring the woo and the smoke will never, ever clear. So my motto is that I will always do things that will, people will never forget. And I, that's what I mean by the smoke will never ever clear. So while I'm still stimulated, whether you hate me or like me, I'm motivated. I don't care. I'm out there. I'm going to always publicise my success. And I'll always not going to publicise when I lose as well. There's heaps of times that I put myself on social media that I look like the biggest fuckwit of all time, but I don't give a shit. And that makes me dangerous. When a person's not scared, I'll take it on the chin. I'm Absolutely. Like, the last person you want to fuck up because I've got, I'm not scared. I will make you look silly because I'm just. I silly. love this. I love it. I, everyone, you're 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 going to be you, everyone. You're everyone's favorite. Um, every everyone just would love you, mate, because just the way you carry yourself is just so. It's so um, infectious. Yeah, and I try and just be authentic. I don't want to. I want to be out there. I'm, who gives a fuck if I've got a big nose and big teeth and I'm a, I don't give two shits. I'm just going to go there. If I can put a smile on your face, that fucking rewards me a hundred times more. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know what's shit? What's great, Roscoe? I'm 54. I've got, I don't know how many followers I've got, but I've got that fucking blue tick as well. Do you know how many people are like, look at this bloke. i got nothing. Who am I? And I've got everything that they want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because you, you've stuck true to your guns, mate, you've never wavered from who you are. Um, so 2022, this is the last question. What Are you looking at getting into more um, television or more interviews? I don't, I don't, no, in, look, I'm very, very blessed um, that, the, that I have a good uh, – that the best come and train with me. So I, they, they publicise my work for me. Yep. So every time they do something great, I can write on the back of that. And, and I also ride on him, like I said with Bronson, that, you know, I was the first person. When things went bad, I'm not going to suddenly disown him. Yeah, um, for sure. I still support him and see how he is. And I'll be the first person, regardless what people say, whether he's good for my business or bad for my business, I'll be the first person to take him back when he's in a position to rejoin and start again. And I've done that with Matt Lodge and I've done that with many guys that have had controversial situations. Again, it doesn't mean that I agree with what they do, but... I treat people the way they treat me. 
I don't come, it's not fair. I don't come with a, I want to, I want to accept you as a blank canvas. And if you treat me with respect, I'm going to give you that respect back in return. Why should I? You've done nothing wrong to me. Mm, absolutely. So, um, so can we expect more? Are you expect, you're just keep expecting what you keep seeing and you're just going to keep seeing more and more of it. Awesome. And it's going to, you know that I will, I like to, to, to raise eyebrows. God knows where this is going to finish up. I might end up fucking on the nude in, in on social media, having somebody jumping all over me and with a big elephant's cock in my mouth. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see them. On the Matty John show or something yeah, with uh, Flesh and Hindy. Why won't they get me? They call me out all the time. What's the game? I can't work it out. They call me out. Roger's going to be on the show next week. Going to be on the show next week. And I never got, I ne they never call, they never ring me. So I'm waiting like there. I want to be on that because I know I turn it upside down. I think that they, they think, oh, is this a good thing to get him on or not? Because I'm telling you, you know, I, I already told you this. If I get an opportunity, just like I did with Matt, you don't you think I'm going to maximize it? Do you honestly Absolutely. think I would go on that show and be regular and be vanilla? Yeah, no, we want to see the real Rog, you know and they'll fucking I, love it. They'll lap it up. I would go crazy. Would <laughs> I, would, I would turn it inside out. I'm dying to get on there. Give me just one chance, I'll break the internet. 2022, the year of the Rog. Make it, make move. it. <laughs> Oh, well, let's make it happen. We'll, um, we'll. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a social media campaign to get get you on Maddie John's show. Sounds like a plan. Fuck me, then I'll, I'll, I won't disappoint. You just give me one chance. That's all. <laughs> let's do it, mate. Roger Fabry, you've been an absolute star, and thank you so much for opening yeah, up and um, telling us your story. I'm sure, on behalf of all the the listeners, um, yeah, it's an absolute honor to have you on. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. If you do like this and when I do post it, if you drop me a little bit of feedback for my mental health, it makes me feel good. Even if it's shit, I don't give a shit. Just put it on there if you don't like what I said. But I hope that uh, you guys would have found this story quite interesting. I haven't shared like this before. Um, I've let time pass. And yeah. thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And good luck. Thank you so much, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official Big Stiff podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Hey, um, Scotty, you there, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm here. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Just type in at the Big Stiff Podcast and you should find us there. Okay, thanks. Bye, guys.